You're listening to the Nightlight Radio Network. This is Dr. Zohara Hieronymus, co-host of 21st Century Radio. We are happy to present this rebroadcast of our show on Nightlight. Enjoy. Awakening to our true selves is part of every spiritual path on earth. It's a call to the all-knowing heart that has no reason to be other than to be love. Dr. Anders Nielsen's book, The Gentle Way of the Heart, Discover the Light Within, has been called a scientific approach to the path of transforming oneself and becoming more awakened in the present moment. He's a renowned researcher in physics and chemistry at Stanford University, and Dr. Nielsen provides a practice of study, meditation, and exercises that truly can help everyone experience more harmony and deeper connections with our inner selves, with our life, and with others. And as for me, I am always interested in how a person who studies such things as chemical bonding interfaces or light spectroscopy or how water behaves has found that it is the gentle heart that heals and restores all of us. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Nielsen. I'm so delighted to be on, on the show here. So it's, um, it's my blessing. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's a very big topic, and I enjoyed your book very much. I read it over a period of two days so I could do some of the exercises. And because it's such a big subject, maybe we can start with your own worldview about how do you see that everything is connected and what does that have to do with this topic of the gentle way of the heart? Well, what I see is that everybody has a divine spark within themselves, which I call the light, the light within. And, um, and that light um, is all com- coming from the same source. We are all through that interconnected. Um, and we can call what, what we mean with the divine is actually all of us together um, is just a manifestation of what, what I call the divine light. So we are thereby in, interconnected, uh, and we are thereby also sharing the experience to be a human on the planet Earth. Um, so when so that you... is how, Go ahead. How, how we are connected, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, all traditions point to this in their own way, in their own language, with their own symbol system, with their own meditative exercises, and, and sort of the paths might be different, but ultimately it's about coming to unity consciousness, and that's been the really big movement in the sort of new paradigm consciousness um, field of joining it up to quantum physics and showing that this um, notion that we're separate is a separate experience inside our body container, but we're not actually all separate from one another. In fact, each one of us affects the whole world. So so talk to us a bit about um, your scientific expertise, because it must be that your understanding of interfaces has a great deal to do with your appreciation of the light that is within all of us. Yeah, <laughs> How I see the science, science, so to speak, is is something that is complementary to spirituality. My view is that I am experience this world, but I am not of this world. I'm just experiencing it. And science is actually provided us with the tools to study what we are experiencing. We are studying through science, uh, so to speak, how nature works, all the wonders that we can see in the stars or going into the atoms or, or biology or chemistry, you name it. Uh, but it's just to study this experience of the world. But we 
who actually are experiencing this is coming from uh, the divine light. And that is something we cannot actually study with science. It's outside of the toolbox uh, we have for science today. So I seeing these actually more as complementary um, and a little bit the, the beautiful future I can, I can see for, for humankind in the, is actually when we see these two as complementary and we allow the toolbox, so to speak, of science uh, to get more and more expressed uh, from the divinity we are so we can create a much better world. We sort of use science and technology to actually manifest what the heart desires and manifest uh, the true love that we actually have within ourselves. Amen to all of that. In in your book, Anders, you spoke about a 1993 spiritual awakening you had yeah. that really sort of kick-started this that's now in this beautiful book, The Gentle Way of the Heart. Share with us what happened. I was actually, prior to that, um, very much a fundamental scientist. I, I uh, Coming out of my PhD, uh, I was very much believing that uh, if you can't study it with uh, our scientific tools or uh, I would describe it in, in the scientific language, it couldn't exist. Um, and then in 1993, I went through some rather intense emotional turmoil. Um, often, I think many of us go through some difficult time, which actually leads to an awakening. Um, we had learned that something doesn't work that we believed would work, and we had to change. And that is what happened to me. I. I went into therapy. A lot of things had to do with relationships, but also, in general, how I put myself down with respect to others. I allowed other people to walk over me and, and so on. Mm-hmm. So I, re- I really started to look within um, and went through the therapy, and it was like pushing a bottom on me. I, things changed very rapidly, and uh, I went through a dramatic period of change. Many of my friends wonder what happened to me because I suddenly became a very different person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really discovered more what I call my true self. And since then, of course, this has been a journey because the journey never, so to speak, ends. It's just layer after layer you peel off. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a very rapid change that happened in 1993. Well, you're very blessed to have met people and had the determination to find the toolkit because there's so many humans and so many listeners to our program who are also, you know, they want to change, come into self-management, overcome anger, know what to do with anger when it rises, how to how to deal with difficult relations. So maybe we could talk a bit about one of the areas you put some emphasis on is the difference between real fear and imaginary fear, and how these are really aspects of often what obstructs our ability to have good relations, not with just other people, but with our own self. Yes, I mean, I speak a lot in in the book about actually my own experience. I have gone through many of these phases and and, and, uh, have also experienced a lot of anger and and all of that, so I can truly understand it. Um, So when it comes to fear, as I describe it, um, I classify it in two different types of fear. One, f- one type of fear is the fear that happens in the present moment. It's related to a situation that is really real to us as a threat to our body or our existence, or it might be a threat to someone else that we are careful, or even a foreigner or 
stranger that is in a very uh, threatening situation. And, and, and when that appears, we, we, we have a sort of speak, a fearful situation. But usually when it is in the present moment like that, we actually become very calm and we, we become very focused. Mm-hmm. And I think many people who have experienced a threatening situation have um, felt like time slowed down. Yeah. They were very present and they can act on it. And afterwards, they might be really shaking a little bit in trauma because they realize that what happened was actually very dangerous. Mm-hmm. But during the event, usually we are very focused. And, and, and there are many miraculous uh, stories about people having an enormous strength to save their child or, or, or other situations. Yeah. So that is the real fear uh, which is helping us uh, to cope with a with threatening situation. Then we have the imaginary fear, I call it, which is um, not related per se for the present situation. Um, It's just that what we experience at the time is something that reminds us that we have unresolved issues within. Usually as we go through life, we experience pain. Usually in our childhood, could be a pain that we can't handle, and we're there for sort of hide it within ourselves, or we, we pretend that it doesn't exist. Um, and as this pain, so to speak, still is unresolved, um, when we have an experience in, in our life that reminds us that we have this pain, uh, we experience fear. And often this fear then makes us to become a little bit unconscious. Mm-hmm. So an example can be that if we are judged by someone, someone is criticizing us, we become fearful, or we might be, become impatient because we are afraid of not having enough time, or we might be greedy because we are afraid of not having enough money or resources and so on. So uh, they, these are not per se related to the, to the moment. It is just related to unresolved issues. And so you make an issue, as do all spiritual paths, about being in the present, being in the moment. And, and it seems that what keeps our society, when we look at the world and the way it's so reactive to things that are in the past and old wounds between nations and peoples and families and within spousal relations, I mean, the, the whole world is reactive. And unfortunately, so much of it comes from such disharmonious past. And um, as an activist, often we've talked more mature activists. We've talked about how all of us, when we were younger, were so angry. And we would speak to those that were destroying our planet or our community or, you know, whatever it was, whether it's the fields or the animals or the air or the water. And it, and it was very oppositional, as if, you know, these are the most evil people on the planet and nobody could care if they lived or died. But the truth is, is that every human is, is an expression of the entire collective consciousness of humanity. And some people are just a little further ahead than others in terms of their heart. So I'd like to talk about heart intelligence with you, Anders, because that's really seems to be what you've touched on. There's the difference. There's a difference between this intellectual knowledge and, and heart intelligence. So how do we enter our heart? I think I call it a little bit of a two-step approach. Um, the first step is to just experience how it is to be, uh, just to experience how to exist. 
uh, I've called, I call it, get the sensation, how does it feel within ourselves that we exist? And, and, and we could then realize that we exist no matter what. Mm-hmm. We don't need to pretend anything. We need, don't need to do anything. It actually is the most simple thing is that we exist. And, and when we can sink in into that sensation that we exist, um, there is a peacefulness that comes with it. So that is the first step. And some people might call this uh, a meditation practice. I call it a life practice. It's not just to do 20 minutes in the morning in meditation. It's actually to do it all the time in your life. Yeah, I loved that you did that because it's, you know, I don't think we're in the age of spiritual practices set outside our lives. I think our life is supposed to become the spiritual awakened living people. And um, asceticism is good and it's helpful not to say there aren't times for it. But I was so glad you said that. All right. So go ahead. Yeah, I I think that's the number one, because um, that brings us into what I call beingness, when we can just enjoy being. And the second step is to actually focus very much on the sensation around the heart, feeling that warmness. We can actually experience a little bit um, that it feels warm, and and many people experience that when they they are feeling love, uh, maybe with a partner or with a child, or just feeling love towards nature. Um, But the importance here is to feeling that warmness within ourselves towards ourselves. Um, and I have a little bit of a metaphor here uh, in the book that we just open like a doorway into our heart and we let uh, this light, uh, which is a metaphor for our real divine origin, to come forward. Uh, we let it, so to speak, shine around us, shine within ourselves. And and many people know that they have met people that they call are a little bit radiant. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they are radiant, it's because they are actually in contact with that light within. And we experience that as a radiance. And, and so we first go into be- beingness, and the second step is really opening up that, that light within. And, <clears throat> and when we have opened up that light within, uh, we can have one hand in touch with that light within, and with the other hand, we reach out to the challenges we experience every day. Um, it might be difficulties in relationship, with work, or whatever we go through, uh, but having one hand with the light in the heart and one hand reaching out to that, we never lose that connection uh, to our divine origin. And uh, even as we might experience during the day that someone gets angry to us or, or criticizing us and so on, we lose it for a moment, we might respond, but we, since we are a little bit connected to that, both beingness and the light within, uh, we don't lose it for a very long time. We can come back very easily. And as we come back, we realize that, oh my God, I, I lost my awareness for a minute, but I forgive me myself that I did that. Now I'm connected again. If so the forgiveness to ourselves is a very important component. And and we'll talk more about that when we come back, because it's so interesting how our culture often, particularly in, in the Western um, traditions, speak to forgiving others. And there's not always um, a great deal of guidance on self-forgiveness, which 
we're talking about energetic patterns and and you know it's so, it's so interesting to me how how forgiveness when i have really sort of looked at it within myself and my own capacity or lack of capacity for forgiveness you really do change the um what do you call it it's kind of like the waveform of the past and the power it has over the present not just over yourself but over the world so if if all of us could forgive our enemies or forgive past injury whether it's personal or collective automatically there would be a shift on the planet in awareness but it's easier said than done you know i love all these things it's like yeah if we could all just have our divine realization right now we all just all be in great shape on planet earth our guest is professor anders nelson he's written a beautiful book the gentle way of the heart it's a nordic light 2014 release discover the light within Hello, I'm Bill Sweet of Spindrift Research. Our website is spindriftresearch.org. You are listening to 21st Century Radio with Zoe Hieronymus, and we're looking forward to having more of you open-minded people listen in. Yeah, it was Dr. Sweet at the Spindrift Institute who shared with us over a period of several decades the incredible work that the Spindrift Institute did to show us that what prayer is the most effective in terms of having measured effectiveness of prayer, and it was thy will be done, not my will. It wasn't like, oh, you know, may the frog have a totally complete recovery of its arm and may the arm grow back versus may the frog be delighted with divine right order or may divine right order be restored. It was so interesting. They did it over mung beans, and, of course, they couldn't do it over humans because of the expense of controls, etc., but they did it over larvae and fruit flies, and my own teacher, the late Terry Ross, did it over the meniscus of just trying to get the meniscus of an eye, an electronic eye to change, which they did. But anyway, if you're just joining us, our guest is Dr. Anders Nilsson. His wonderful book, The Gentle Way of the Heart, Discover the Light Within, is a Nordic Light Books release 2014. And um, there's wonderful exercises in it. So I, I'd like to come back to fear and forgiveness, um, if you don't mind, Anders, because it's it seems to be the thing we do the least of well, or we don't have the right tools. So share with us again an exercise that you have people work on who know that they want to make a change in life, whether it's in a personal relationship or work or in the world or in themselves, a pattern they have, but there's some fear probably from the past or something that feels like something from the past that makes us unable to make that change, to ask a favor of someone else or a collaboration with others? I mean, I, I think the, the most important step is, is to forgive ourselves. Um, it's very, very difficult. We often feel ashamed or guilty with what we have done in the past. <clears throat> and that type of feeling has no value to it. It's The past is the past, and there is no reason to hold a grudge what we have done. It doesn't bring us any, anything forward. It doesn't really bring anything to the present moment. So the most important step is to forgive ourselves because we can't forgive others more than we forgive ourselves. And often as we react to the action of someone else, there is a piece of it within ourselves that we actually allow this to be brought onto us. And we therefore uh, need to forgive ourselves. And I, and I think that I have a little story in the book there, and, and I was thinking of it during the commercial here, that um, a friend of mine who also attended some of our workshops, Anna, um, she had a very difficult time 
with relationships. She typically brought in men that was a little bit abusive or didn't treat her very well. Uh, and some of that actually came from her upbringing where she had uh, also an abusive father. And, and she hold herself responsible for some of the problems with her father. And therefore, she thought she could fix it by actually being with uh, some of these abusive men. Mm-hmm. And, and it was only after she realized this pattern within herself, herself um, that she could start to release some of that pain from her childhood and also in that process forgive herself what she went through in her childhood. She actually thought that she was responsible. And, um, and, and it was through that process when she did that and really get in touch with the more core being of, of herself, she made a discovery to who she really is, uh, the divine light within, um, that she changed all this pattern and, and could bring in uh, another type of man in her life, and and she's very happily married now, and everything is very different for her. You, you, um, you, you, in this story, it makes me think of the telling psychologically that we marry the strongest energetic pattern influence of our childhood, whether it was a a father or a mother or even a sibling. That we, it's often apparent. We tend to remarry that energy pattern. Um, and people say, well, wait, why did you do that if your father was abusive and then you marry an abusive man? I, You know, a lot of times I think we at an unconscious level just associate these energies with love because it came from a parent, even though at an intellectual conscious level we may know it was abuse, it's not the way the child energetically associates. So how when we change that that's why it makes me think so much of your other work as a scientist and your work in water because we're mostly water beings how how does the activity of water actually teach us a little bit about these notions of forgiveness first of ourselves and then it affecting our relations and our capacities before answering that question could i just say one more thing Please. about forgiveness sure i think <clears throat> i think there is a very simple exercise in the book you also asked about that, yes. is that um, we can actually every day uh, before we go to bed, we usually brush our teeth in, in the bathroom and we could look ourselves into the mirror uh, and look in, into the eyes. And then at that moment as we do that, we, we actually just back reflect on the day that actually happened. And we might recognize that there were certain thing that happened during the day where we feel a little bit resentment. We could have acted differently. Uh, maybe we could have done, uh, we could have been nicer to other people, or we could have acted out in a more loving way in general. And then in that moment, we, we can just look into the eyes and say, the past is the past, and I forgive myself. Right, exactly, because the best we can do, and there's not a tradition on earth that doesn't teach us, is to pick ourselves up and do better the next time. And and that's how, you know, it's so interesting. When we're young and we're parenting our children, we know that. We know it's little baby steps. But as we get older and we live in this, you know, um, instant gratification society where you think everything's in a moment just because you can get a meal in 10 seconds at a window it doesn't mean that we can feed ourselves spiritual relations in a 10-second window in the same way. Meaning what I'm trying to say is we don't often give ourselves the time that it takes to make these 
changes. And we expect the change to happen overnight. And then we get so upset that our meditation or that our ability to be kind to somebody or to forgive ourselves is like not making much progress. And and then somehow or other we think we failed. Yes, we have to be very patient. And um, if we if we can go into this place, what I call beingness, uh, feeling the sensation to exist and working on the on the light in our heart, we will fail many day, many times during the day, but we return with it, return to it, and each time we return to it, we forgive ourselves that we lost it. And with time, everything we let change. That comes, but it will take time. Uh, and we, we just practice and we practice. Uh, it's not to do a meditation in the morning. It's actually do it all, all the way through the whole day. And so but let me speak a little bit about water. Please do. Um, because there is, uh, of course, a lot of scientific interesting aspect of water because it's very mysterious in many different ways. But it also holds a very important metaphor for us. Um, as you mentioned, we are all made of water. And, and as we know, we are drinking water to feed our body. We, we are losing water both through what is going out of the body. And all the water that we are bringing in and the water that we lose is is going to be part of the circulation of water on this planet Earth. Each water molecule that we actually are in our body is going to be part of the oceans, the rivers, the clouds, the water in other people, and so on. So if we ask and think about that, the element that we are really built up most of, which is water, we have a water content typically of between 60 and 95%, depending on our age, the newborn baby has a very high water content. Um, this water is actually in constant exchange with everything on planet Earth, maybe also with the universe, because we might also get water from coming in from the universe as well. So it actually is a very, very nice symbol or metaphor how everything is interconnected. Even when we think about a solid rock, there, are, there is crystal water inside the rock that is also in exchange with us. And we, and we can view ourselves, therefore, like we're putting a drop into the ocean, the infinite ocean of the divine, such a way actually are we as well through the metaphor of water that we all are. It's also interesting when you look at um, the challenges we face now of water on the planet and that this will be the great challenge of the 21st and 22nd centuries of having potable water and, you know, desalinizing water and having water engines. And, I mean, there's so many beautiful things we're going to gain from water. That's why it's interesting because um, Bill Tiller at Stanford out there with you, who used to be chairman of the uh, material sciences, chairman emeritus. I don't know if you know Bill. but um, I, I know of him, yes. I know he's been out and discussing a lot about water. But, yeah. He has, and one of the things he discovered is something called a deltron particle, and I'm not going to go into it because I'm not a mathematician and I lose myself in numbers when I pass my toes. So, But what he discovered is that there's this thing called a deltron particle and that we're like these 10-dimensional beings the way Kabbalists have always said, and that it's the water content that is the thing in us that is uh, making the connection with consciousness, meaning that the higher the deltron content of anything, the more effective consciousness is to change matter. It, it's it's a longer story. That's a very simple um, description. But um, 
I'm, I myself feel that water restoration is what the entire planet is called to because it really is a heart res- restoration. Looking at some of your other exercises, um, you, you showed us the importance of reviewing our day at the end of the day. And certainly Rosicrucians do this. You review your day from the end of your day to the beginning. That's more about self-observation and reviewing your day in in all kinds of ways. You're specifically looking at forgiveness. You also say there's a a morning review of of how to set up the day. Yes, you can. I often actually, (laughs) since I'm so obsessed with water, I often take a little bath in the morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like to meditate in the bath. Me too. uh, um, By the way, I wanted to tell you, I um, talk to the dead in the bath. Actually, they talk to me. I don't call on anybody, but they always seem to come through when I'm in the bath. And I figure, oh, okay, well, let me get my notes out. Anyway, go go back. Yes, bath people. I have similar experiences. Yeah. Um, But during the the morning, I often then um, think a little bit about the day to come. And I I sort of structure my day and and think about what is the challenges and and, uh, how can I um, do the best of the day and and sort of reflecting a little bit of that. Uh, what are the choices maybe I have to make? Because we, all our life is about choices. That's mm-hmm. how we actually progress with our life. And uh, the more consciousness we have, the more awareness we have, when we make these choices, the better they become, the more they strive to our, so to speak, uh, inner longing from the heart. Um, so it's good to be a little bit aware of what, choices we might be up during the day and and so we are not taken by surprise and secondly as we are uh, having this have to make these choices that we are coming more from the love and light from our true self so to speak when we make that choice instead of coming from fear or our false self when we make the choice mhm and and i like that you do it while you're in the water because we know anything we put into water, it holds the signature. So if you hold a glass of water and say, I love you, with your index finger, even your hands just on the water, it's it's carried in the water. And we've talked about that for many decades now on our program. One of the things you suggest that I thought was really quite interesting of, of life as a movie and our life dream, and, and there is a connection between the two. Yeah, you can, so, so what, a little bit... Um exploit is what I call the, our experience of reality. And it, and it goes back to the question that many of us often sort of um, bring up uh, as we have experienced life. Is this a bad thing or is this a good thing? We have, a, we have experience of <laughs> mm-hmm. feeling good and we have experience of feeling bad. And, and often this puts, puts a judge, judgment on, on, on the experience. But um, if we could maybe take a little bit step back and, and think about it like, um, I am the divine being, uh, experience a life here in the form of, of a human on, on the planet Earth at this particular time. And, 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 and I know that my true self is something that is beyond time and space. And I can view my life a little bit like sitting in a movie theater and experience a film. Um, if we think about that, uh, uh, the way the movie industry would develop to make it more and more sophisticated, where we eventually are immersed into the film, and the, and the last step is to make the uh, experience very intense, is that we forget 
that it actually is the film and we believe that it's the real thing, so to speak. So this is just to prepare ourselves to maybe not take things that, that occur in our life too personal uh, and uh, uh, be a little bit more neutral about it, so to speak. Not meaning that we should withdraw from life, but allow us, ourselves to experience life to the fullest, but without being fearful to it, enjoying it, so to speak. Um, a little bit like a child being on, on an adventure trip. And you can make it also to the next level that if you think about it a little bit as a movie, you can also think about it as a, as a dream. We, we all dream at night, and, and we can wake up in the morning and be completely baffled over that, oh, my God, that dream was so intense. I thought it was the real thing. And, and I had all these people in the dream, and, and, and it felt so real to me. And we can also think about maybe our life is also like a dream, but one level up in terms of consciousness than our night dreams. And, and we as are enjoying this tremendous experience. And, and therefore, the reality as we see it might not be exactly how our mind has figured it out. It might be something very, very different. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that this would allow us also, again, uh, to be more neutral and more loving the experience that we go through in life uh, as just having an experience. But it's so interesting because there's so much mind control in the world, particularly now with the kind of image-making capacity that technology gives us, whether it's television or online or in our phones. or And when people are driven to think and feel a certain way, and we know from, you know, the pair studies and the number generators that consciousness really is driven and that it does create some form of order um, around a particular event. And it's, it's, it's a little tragic to me because I even look at how my own imagination has been contaminated by the news, by violent movies, images like uh, come up in my imagination that I don't think I have from a past life and I don't think that are my own, but I have taken them in through my eyes. So when we come back, maybe we can talk a little bit about um, these holy gates, you know, our eyes, our ears, our nose, our mouth, all these sensations, because you make such beautiful points, Dr. Nilsson, about being in the present. And you do it like the Zen masters do, but you do it in your own style, which is very um, easy to follow. So when we return, our guest is Professor Anders Nilsson, Dr. Nilsson's book, the or Nilsson, I think is how you say it in Swedish, something like that, The Gentle Way of the Heart, Discover the Light Within, a Nordic Light 2014 release. This is James DeMeo of the Orgone Biophysical Research Laboratory. You can find my books at Amazon and other kinds of websites. The last name is D-E-M-E-O. And you're listening to 21st Century Radio with Dr. Zohara Hieronymus. And thank you. The Gentle Way of the Heart by Anders Nilsson. Discover the Light Within. It is our topic currently. Again, Dr. Nilsson can be found by finding a link right off our website, www.2121stcenturyradio.com. All right, so coming back before the break, I mentioned, you know, we have these holy gates to the soul, our eyes, our ears, our nose, our mouth, etc. And and they are how our sensory apparatus experiences the world. And as you're pointing out, and as so many great teachers say, we're all here having experiences. And we make the mistake sometimes of calling 
calling them good and bad when many teachers say it's this and that. There's no good or bad. They're just experiences. And we get ourselves in a lot of trouble and get in our own way from development when we do that. But I'm sure you have some exercises that, you know, can help all of us sort of sort through the garbage, stay in the divinity, and know we're divine. I, th- I think uh, one, of, one of the great experiences or exercises to do is actually to um, to just um, go into a little bit that you would sit down and uh, and then you would empty yourself. Um, you might, let's say, first of all, you, you might have had a difficult day where you had a bad experience. Uh, something happened during the day that you were reacted. Maybe you, the, the report you had at work was heavily criticized or or maybe your your spouse treated you not very well, and uh, and you feel a little bit sad. Um, so we could, in these moments, uh, just realize that we had an experience, and 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 we could just sit down for a few seconds, think about that, about a happy moment in the past when we really felt great. Maybe we had a wonderful time with our ch- children, or we. We were watching the, the view of a valley when we climb a mountain or we listen to beautiful music and we were in harmony. And we couldn't in that moment ask ourselves, why couldn't I feel the same thing now? Uh, I just had an experience um, that actually made me think that uh, the reality is bad. I couldn't just bring in that sensation what I had in the past. Uh, it's only something I have to switch a little bit within myself, mm-hmm. uh, and and really focusing on that, and 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 then continue and and with a little smile on your lip, like an internal smile that, even though I have that bad experience today, I can still continue having a smile within. I don't need to take this particularly very serious, um, and. Uh, I, there is no reason why I couldn't continue to be feeling love within myself. Um, it, it, this sounds very easy when, when you explain it, <laughs> but it is by, by practice that uh, we really uh, can get into that stage. And, and that's the truth of all of these things. You know, we're, we're used to thinking about practice for sport or practice for a profession, but unless you grow up in a culture that believes self-refinement and self-mastery is a practice, you almost delegate it to this 45-minute thing, and then you go yell at the person next door. <laughs> you know, it's, I've always found it very interesting. And and sometimes it's... Um, well, anyway, so so back to the wonderful things that you offer. You say that in the divine world, we seek to obtain harmony so we can truly enjoy our life. So we're not just talking about just accomplishing something for the sake of saying, oh, now I have self-mastery. What we're talking about is improving the way we live. And as you point out, if we can make a change, any one of us, anybody listening, myself, you, and then somebody else sees that change, it inspires others to make that change in themselves, which is, I guess, why for the last decade I've focused so much on trying to manage myself rather than trying to just manage the world. Yeah, and, and, and it's not always much about maybe manage ourselves or controlling ourselves. It's actually just letting ourselves to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do need to seek perfection. That is also a big mistake, I think, that we need to be, we think we need to be perfect. 
what we should do is to accept ourselves. We accept who we are. We accept our experience. We accept the past, which becomes forgiveness. Uh, it's this acceptance uh, that actually then takes away any barriers within ourselves. It takes away barriers to other people, uh, and acceptance then becomes love, actually. Um, we bring things together by accepting it. Um, we don't push it away. Uh, and, and that acceptance is actually going to be what brings the world together. Um, so if we, we all share that with other people, we can inspire other people also to be, become more accepting. Um, a lot of aggression that we see in the world will go away. Uh, we can actually build a wonderful future for, for ourselves. And, and in reading... It's, and in reading your book, it made me think about a, an issue that often comes up in spiritual circles, and it deals with extremely sensitive people, somebody like me, who will walk into a shopping store, whether it's a grocery store, it doesn't matter, and I pick up the feelings and thoughts of the people around me. Now, there have been a lot of discussions over the decades, particularly in New Age circles, about protecting oneself. And I always say to everybody, I have no way. I don't even know how to, you know, I've, I've been shown lots of things. And then in reading your book and in thinking about other great spiritual healers, it's, it's they didn't protect themselves. They went out and opened themselves up in love. This, these are two very radical different perspectives. One says, one says you got to zip yourself up, put a bubble of light around you, make a shield about you, don't let anything in. Well, it's, it's impossible for me because everything still comes in. So I like your, your, per, your approach and your perspective that, no, if you just let love out, then everything that's coming through you goes back out as love. Now, that's easier said than done. So give us an exercise for that practice. I think yes, yes. A little comment about this, please, is that um, I've experienced that myself. That I, I, I particularly, maybe I let make a little story here. I remember once I was organizing a spiritual workshop in Stockholm in a beautiful uh, location. It was just before Christmas, and I was in harmony and perfect when I was at the location. This was before the workshop, mm-hmm. and then I, then I realized I forgot something. I had to go myself into the car, drive through the central part of the Stockholm in just a few days before Christmas, where we know there is a hysteria out there with a lot of stress for many people. And I felt when I was driving, all these thoughts came into my head. I sort of get angry with my students. They didn't perform very well. And, and I felt all these things going around me. And then I picked up what I needed, and I came back to the, to the spiritual um, resort, the spiritual uh, center, and, uh, and I felt again in harmony. And I realized that I immerse myself with, a, with, a, with all the sort of um, collective consciousness of the stress just before Christmas, and it really affected me. Mm-hmm. And, and so I became aware of that, and I become aware many times that I suddenly have some feelings in me, and probably this is what you're speaking about, that I get angry or mad or, or something, that I suddenly realize my God, this is not really me. As they say, not they're mine. not. Yeah, they go. They're not my monkeys, and they're not my circus. <laughs> no. It's just something that's coming in, yeah. and, fun. and 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 when I suddenly become aware of that, and 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 so it's a little bit of a practice that awareness of um, of realizing that people around us might be in disharmony, 
and um, and uh, the the exercise I do in 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 these circumstances is just to do find the sensation to exist, uh, find the warmth in my heart, and open it and let it radiate it out. Mm-hmm. It's a li- little bit like we can think about it better for that. If if water is uh, flowing out from a hose. Uh, there is nothing that can go into the hose, so to speak. It's just flowing out. Mm-hmm. So if we if we can imagine that in, uh, within ourselves, that uh, we have all this light and divine uh, love that actually could just flow out of us. Nothing can come in and hurt us. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. Yeah, I really uh, like it as a as a practice. Look, we have about a minute and a half left. Is there anything we haven't touched on you think is important to share? I think one thing that is important, many people are um, getting very afraid of the world today, and, and many people are affected by the media in negativity, uh, because the media typically report a lot about bad things that happens in the world, or as we perceive as bad things happening in the world. And I think it's very important for all of us to recognize that there is so much love, there is so many things, good things that happens in the world, but you just don't get to know or hear about it. Mm-hmm. And it's really to have that sense as we uh, walk around and when we go to bed that it's not a dangerous, it's not a scary world around us. It's a loving world. And there is so much prospect, so much progress going on in the world. And I think this is very important. I want to say at the end. Well, thank you, and I think it's a perfect ending to a beautiful discussion. 